Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift for Stage 14 of the Vuelta, finishing on Sierra de la Bandera, 160.3 kilometres long, another mountain stage which isn't that difficult, but in the end, when you're adding up 20Ks of 6.5% in warm conditions, you never know what could happen, uh, particularly with the humidity in this area of the world. So again, Flat for the first 100Ks, that makes brake formation really, really hard. You see that start and you just know Thibaut Pino is not making it. And that's <laughs> the case today. I'm not even joking. Like he just cannot get into the brakes when they're like this. Uh, there was a cat 3, 10Ks, 3.5%. But the big action of the day, they come from the south from Hayen where Rolich beat Mars in the steep finish last year. Uh, and a short finish. They have a 20k basically climb with a short break in the middle. The main feature is Pandera, 8.6k's, 7.5%. But there's two kilometers, the fifth and sixth, which are 11.5 and 11.9. Then it's 7.8. And then there's a, it's not a flat kilometer. It's still uphill. Then there's a short 500 meter descent. Then there's a 7.7% punch uh, to the finish. So I thought break, but. Kind of like the tour, Benji, we were seeing there was no full coverage today. We were just watching on the tracker. Just the break would not go, which is good for quick step, right? Because they don't, they don't have to do anything for ages. Yes, certainly. Yesterday on the podcast, we mentioned that the only way that the peloton can get a victory on this stage would be if the break formation takes so long that we come to a point where it's not as necessary to invest your whole team to keep the break away in. And that's exactly kind of what started unfolding once the first, like, 33-40% of this stage was break formation and wider stride left and right. A Carapaz, we expected it yesterday. Uh, we mentioned that he lost time on purpose yesterday, so we expected him in the breakaway, tried multiple times. And he actually got into the breakaway that ended up mattering to get away. And he saw him, but he saw him not solely because he's got a teammate here, a dog buddy, Mess Pedersen, in this group as well. Lutsenko for Astana once again has not shown the climbing that we expect from Lutsenko in this race so far, I think. Armirai, Luis Leon Sanchez, Jean Pousset, and Conca. And when you look at this breakaway, like, what do you see? Because on paper, a cut-up is the strongest when it comes to climbing, right? A lot of Quadro clients in there um, in that break. But yeah, it's like it's almost like to start again, guys, stop working, start again, because you're not going to beat Carapaz. Um, it just mathematically almost impossible unless, I don't know, Lushenko has a career day. Even then, like <laughs> Carapaz is climbing at a eighth in GC level right yeah. now. He's climbing sixth to ninth GC level, which is way too strong for a normal breakaway. <laughs> so, that's yeah it's tough um i guess and the, the break's not big enough like 30 deep with multiple teammates where they can play in the valleys or the short uphills it's just like they're pulling it's pegged at four minutes again quick step um i don't i i still think they're doing a little bit of what pagacha did on stage nine and ten where i don't know why they have it pegged at four um when they don't really want to chase the stage win either. It's like, just just let it out because you're inviting other teams to chase for bonification or the stage win too, which makes your job harder potentially if you don't want it to be harder lately, later. I think so as well. And we need to add to, it all, to that as well because they lost multiple riders. I think if they had one or two more riders in this race, I think they would have gone for the stage. And I think that's why they pegged it at like four to hope that another team would take over and 
invite them to try and hunt for the stage as well. I don't know what form they were expecting at the end of the stage and so forth in the team and so forth, so that might hinder certain decision-making. But it's also like the thing you said, eh? There's not multiple riders from one team in the breakaway that could make it harder for Carapaz, but there's also the fact that it's kept at four minutes decreases the chances for anybody in the breakaway to play before the final climb. They have to keep relaying around to make sure that four-minute gap stays. Otherwise, they won't make it because the final climb is still... It's not like a 2K climb, eh? It's like 18-ish kilometers. So it's a notable enough climb that you need a solid gap you start with. And if quick step is the pressure from behind, you can't start toying around in the break as well. So that's an extra factor there. But hey, we were looking like we were heading towards uh, a simple uphill breakaway battle uphill gc battle but then we had a crash and it wasn't a rider a swanee a quick step swanee tried giving a a water bottle to remko evenepoel and then that succeeded he tried giving <laughs> one quickly to Ellen von welder and he fell over and he actually hit his head quite hard on the road so either we need a petition to give helmets to swannies or we need to hope that the guy got a concussion check because that felt needed after seeing him hit the ground yeah, he got floored. I don't know whether he, like Van Gulder, got too close to him and gave him the, um, not the people's elbow, a close, <laughs> a close line, or whether he was back pedaling too fast trying to get to Van Gulder, get the beat on out, and he went back and tripped over. I don't know, but yeah, he went down hard. Uh, but yeah, it was a pretty boring stage. You could follow on the track. It was all about the last 20 kilometers um and the indoor season is here it certainly arrived where i am i was watching i was walking down a hill not a hill a little mountain the other day story <laughs> time and it's been raining a lot but it was sunny but the when the combination of sun on these rocks this whole descent is just rocks at like 40 percent downhill and moss and all i could think is michael clark telling jimmy anderson get ready for a broken broken arm about 10 years ago so anyway that's long story short zwift season is here indoor training season zwift have announced a raft of updates landing soon so there's never been a better time to join or fire up the account again if you pause your subscription over the northern hemisphere summer but if you're in the southern hemisphere zwift academy it's a good time for you as a good excuse to get fit for summer there are more pace partners than ever the ability to chase your pb ghost across segments all landing soon go to zwift.com down below to start your free seven day trial if you haven't checked it out already but yeah breakaway group i'll talk about first carapaz is doing his thing you know how he does it he's making lewis leon's trying to get ahead the first climb is 10k's five percent draft super important um Lewis Leon goes ahead with Lutschenko. They're both probably like 68, 72 kilos, so it's better for them than the liner guys. But Kenny's pulling Carapaz because Carapaz is just an assassin and will make everyone spend the last ounce of their energy for him, <laughs> for his benefit. And then he, he's like, Kenny drops. He's like, bye-bye, attacks across <laughs> to the other group we all saw coming. Um, and then that's the And Conker Benji is Conker, not Concha, right? Yeah, um, correct. He's how heavy is he? Because he's climbing really, really well. I actually don't know the exact thing. I think online it says something like eighty kilos, but I've I, I have to think it's lower. If he's that... eighty kilos. <laughs> Ineos or Yumbo or Quickstep need to sign that. He is he if he's eighty kegs, he must be putting out five hundred. The whole yeah, geez, he's anyway. Crazy, crazy. He was uh, he was actually like crawling back to the riders that were in the front of the 
the race right now, Group Carapaz, and he held on for quite a bit in that. I think the, the most disappointing rider in this breakaway was probably Marco Brenner for me, because we saw, like, of, of course it's 20, and I shouldn't be disappointed on a performance like this from a 20-year-old, but it's just a bit sad, because I was hoping to see a bit more after getting fifth, I think, on the stage that Carapaz won, not, well, okay, the previous stage that Carapaz won, and he got fifth there after performing really well, and I was hoping to see something more like that today but he was one of the first ones to drop from the breakaway but hey at the front of the race we had a uh, one guy looking pretty strong eh Richard Carapaz, he attacks before across to Luis Leon. He starts pulling him. Luis Leon's refusing to pull him on the short flat section before the final climb. In the GC group, we've had Hessink pacing. Very strong, actually, today. He's good on that 5% stuff still. He takes it from 4 mins or 340 into 240. Ineos, despite having Carapaz ahead, pace the flat section with Turner. Ineos do this thing, it's very obvious by now, this is what they try and do, every single run into the base of the climb, I guess it does sort of make sense. Um, they use Turner, they use Van Baal, or whoever they have, to bring their GC leader or climber into the base of that climb in front position. But what I would like them to see them do is they just pull off and then block. Yeah. And then and then there's a surge because of the change of pace. And I think Navarro or Sabedo, I think it probably was Navarro, attacked Balor goes with him. And then Rodriguez gets shuffled back because of the wave effect they have created. And so it would be better if they kept the pace a little bit on. I, they keep doing this. They did it into prayers or something as well. Interesting part with it as well that in this specific situation, Carapaz was at the front. So they're basically chasing down their own teammate indirectly because of the move that they are speeding up towards the base of that climb. And that reduced the gap from, I think, to 20 to 2 minutes, roughly, is what I recall from the ticker at that point. So it's notable with still, how much was it? Like 10 kilometers to go at that point? A bit more? Yeah, about 10. So basically that gap was reduced. And I've got to be honest, like with Carapaz being at the front of the race, I thought it was clear who was going to win this stage. And... Even from the moment that he was still in the group, I was like, he's just going to fake it until he's going to attack them, and then he's going to go ahead. But I feel like it was different this time around. I didn't really see that striking Carapaz move on camera this time around. I feel like we had the peloton doing stuff at the same time. We're going to talk about that in a second. And suddenly we saw that Carapaz had a gap on, I think, Sean Poussin. And I think Sean Poussin was second on the road for a bit, or was it a different rider? Yeah, either Champoussin, I think, or I think it was Champoussin who actually eventually finished ahead of Louis Leon, uh, but maybe Louis Leon gave up. Basically, Carapaz didn't act on this on the last climb. The peloton was too close for games, and he's basically pulling actually double turns very hard, and then there's the 12% section, 15% section, and the camera didn't show it exactly, but I presume he just rode away from the other guys who aren't at his level. And the, the then question was, will he hold on? The answer was yes. Uh, it was a very close run thing. I would have had a right chuckle if Ineos <laughs> being conservative running into the base of Pantera had cost him the stage, but it didn't. Uh, in the end, he also goes a bit closer in the KOM jersey. He's now 14 points behind Vine. I, I think he prefers stages to KOM, though. Uh, but yeah, Carapaz wins again. He was the favorite, I think, actually for the stage, particularly a favorite from the break. So yeah. he does the business. And uh, riders keep working with riders that are way stronger than, <laughs> than them. It will never stop. It will never yeah, end. But I feel like today there's also that element of like, 
Kristaps keeping the gap closed from the peloton, so they forced to kind of work together with Carapaz at the front. I think Luis Leon tried a few times on the climb to go early, and that's the only rider that really tried to do that, hoping that, I think it was just before they had that valley section in the middle of the final Sierra de la Pandera climb, basically after the top of the Puerto de los Vilares. I feel like Darren Luis Leon Sanchez tried just before that drop to get a bit of an extra, hoping that the other riders would look at each other and that he could get a bit of a gap, but... That just wasn't happening. Lutsenko closed it for Carapaz. So that was not ideal either for uh, Luis Leon. But I guess Luis Leon kind of tried in that part. But yeah, he had actually the peloton as well. But go. Well, Luis Leon can ride in 50 degree heat. It was hot yep. today. So like he would be thinking, mm, is, I'll see. Maybe I have an advantage there. What's get brought down might stay the same. I'm smarter than these guys. I sort of get him working. Um, Champasin, I guess, you got an okay result. Sort of. <laughs> um, but yeah, GC Group Helsinki, as I said, pacing. Then Harper, pacing very, very hard. As I said, it was hot conditions again. Van Wilders there for Avon Paul. Still a pretty big GC group. No one's dropping at this point. Ineos driving to the base. Then Bala goes. Then I'm not sure who was pacing it. It wasn't Ineos. Was it Harper again? I can't remember who was pacing the base of Pandera because I know Van Wilders started pulling eventually. Harper pulled, and then, yeah, didn't really drop anyone. Then Van Vilder started pulling. Rodriguez was behind Gagan Hart, and I was like, ooh, was he in trouble? I think he was just sitting behind Gagan Hart because he couldn't be bothered to move up yet, and then when he needed to, he moved up fine. Must have been that Harper's pace at that point wasn't too severe. Yeah, and we noticed when Van Wilder was doing that pace that at the back of the group we saw, I think, Rodriguez, Rodriguez, I'm sorry, I just insulted the entire religion, but Rodriguez started moving past riders one by one. And that's when Tao was indeed moving towards the back. Basically, I thought he was about to drop at that point. And I don't think I saw Tao too, for too much longer after that. So I'm pretty sure he dropped not too much longer after that when the group was down to at least like 10-ish, 12-ish riders is when the trouble started coming in for those riders, those type of riders. And I gotta be honest, like we've spoken about Sierra Nevada and Miguel Angel Lopez a lot. But he looked so good at this point in the race. He was sitting on a nice position in third in the group. Ayuso was having more trouble when it comes to his wiggling with his shoulders like like Bugatti. You said it so many times already. Their body style is somewhat similar in that sense. But it just looked like certain riders were getting in trouble, getting hot early, Mankey's early, O'Connor pretty early. Kelderman was holding on longer than Hindley. So looks like his jump into the top 10 was somewhat useful as he was the strongest rider on Bora today ending up but then we saw a group fitting out even further to the point where von welder was at the front we had remko in the wheel roglic in third i don't necessarily know what the order after them was i think it was mas then then probably ayuso and then godriguez and that's kind of the group we had left almeida was struggling at the back at that point and we had an attack against remko even the point it was not ayuso this time roglic attacked and there's no response from Avon Apol. And it's very hot today. And it, immediately the gap, this is the steepest section, an irregular climb. And I don't know the wind conditions provisionally, the time with the tailwind. I'm not sure the watts are like anything like Picohano watts, or maybe even the Pen- Peñas Blancas watts, but Roglic goes clear. I don't know if Van Wilder did a mica on Grenon or Van Wilder was actually setting false pace or medium pace and Roglic sensed that and it's like it's time to go but yeah he goes big surge and I said it in the 
clients to the Welter article said it before, the way to put Renko under pressure is on first Carpena and Torreno, when he's, when he's at your level, which he hasn't been, he's been above everyone, this Welter, is to pace on a steeper section of a climb above threshold, which is what Roglic did. And then you create the gap and then he's on his own. Maybe he goes over his limit or mentally has an issue. Not Maybe he didn't today, but the gap went out to 30. Mass, everyone sits on Avonapol. And may, I think this almost costs Mass being too defensive because Mass is effectively letting the guy who is behind him on GC go ahead up the road. Yep. For points, this is terrible. So if he could have, he should have followed Roglic. Mass bridges Lopez across, even dropping Lopez at a point. And I think Roglic slowed down a lot on maybe the 7% section. He must have because I don't think Remco yeah. recovered that well. I thought the gap was going to go to 130 at one point. Um, but yeah, or you so the big story as well is, oh, when you saw Avonapol cracking Benji, did you think... I think he played it smart, not trying to respond to Roglic, but also it's not looking good for Sierra Nevada. But I, I thought he held on well. I thought he held on well. I could have thought it could have been a one thirty loss. Yeah, I think so as well. Like it could have been much worse, and we noticed it mainly because of the fact that the initial gap was going up to thirty seconds from Roglic to Remco initially. And then it kind of stagnated for a bit. It went to 42 seconds, stayed at 42 seconds roughly. And then it started being similar for quite a bit. And I swear I was like, okay, if he can keep this up until the gradients like flatten out a bit towards the end, he might be able to kick back a tiny bit together. But we got to keep in mind, we're nearing the end of this climb. We're nearing the steeper section. But at the front of the race, while Roglic has had the other two bridge up to him, which is Lopez and Mas. We saw a weakness in one of the two. Lopez was able to stay at the wheel of Roglic and even started helping Roglic while Moss was in trouble. Moss started dropping off the wheel of those three at the front. And we've got this scenario where you've got Roglic and you've got Lopez. We've got Carapaz up front with only 10 seconds in between them, which is very close at that point with roughly two kilometers, 1.5 kilometers to go. So I'm like, oh, oh, Carapaz, you're in trouble, mate. But it flattened out towards the top, so that's why Carapaz has a slight advantage in this sense. And behind the group of Roglic and uh, Lopez, we've got Mas. And then we've got an interesting situation because Ayuso had that puncture. And because Ayuso punctured, he's now in a situation that he's behind Remco. He's catching up to Remco's wheel, staying in Remco's wheel. Obviously, he started, he wasn't necessarily, he wasn't helping out with Remco, right? But what do you think about Almeida being ahead of them and not waiting for a user at that point. Um, it's not how I would have done it, maybe. But listen, if Ayuso loses ten minutes tomorrow and Almeida is able to create, you know, go into fifth on GC, then yeah, not waiting looks like the smart decision. I would. Ah, it's just unlucky. I Almeida probably at that point it was too late to wait. He might not have known Ayuso had dropped. I probably would have had a Almeida ride for Ayuso before the stage started. Um, but he goes well into the third week, so I don't know. But Ayuso very very unlucky. He's on the Shimano neutral service bike. He's get you get that huge adrenaline dump. You change bike. He actually attacked Remco, and then Remco came back to him. Um, so he started overchasing and then slowed down, which cost him. Like Ayuso could have finished with Rodriguez and probably 
between Almeida and Roglic and Lopez today. I'm pretty sure of that. He had the legs yep. to do that. He just got uh, unlucky. And it's curious. Well, Lopez actually starts giving a turn to Roglic. Lopez actually finishes the longer the climb, the better for him. He finishes yeah. this climb stronger than Roglic, who I think went all out on the steep section of Pandera to create a 30-second advantage, yeah. and then Mask cracked himself following him. And Lopez pulls the flatter section descent and beats Roglic on the 7%, 500-600 meter punch to the finish comfortably. In fact, um, taking six bonus seconds, he's there. Roglic is on f- four bonus seconds in third. They finish 19 seconds ahead of Almeida, 28 seconds ahead of Rodriguez and Mas. And 48 seconds ahead of Avonapol. The gap was pretty stable between the time of when it was 30 seconds and between Lopez starting to pull, it was pretty stable. Um, but then Lopez pulling, I think, really took yeah. it out again. So yeah, big, big heist for Roglic. Big, big tell. This is the worst possible time for this to happen for Avonapol Benji, because the illusion of strength is broken now. That is true. We finally saw weakness when it comes to the Emco Evenepoel in this race. And I'd argue it's good for the race, though, because we had this narrative so far where Emco Evenepoel was just stronger than the rest and they couldn't do anything to him. And now we've got a new narrative where Emco Evenepoel has shown cracking on this Sierra de la Pandera. It was on the steeper part towards the end of the Sierra de la Pandera climb, though, with 4K to go. We got to keep that in mind when we take a look at the Sierra Nevada climb later. But it's we have a race like we've got a race again and i gotta be honest like in the last few days i was like okay this velta it's starting to get a bit similar all these mountain stages but it's good that we've got a a different scenario today roglic taking time back to remco mas taking time back godriguez looking pretty good gaining time on a yuzo even though i don't think i can celebrate a yuzo puncturing necessarily but well, i mean how many times man <laughs> that tire manufacturer not to be named o'connor's punctured like three times as well to stage five of the tour are you so punctured on the like it might not have been a puncture he might have dropped his chain i don't know but yeah yeah i agree but um when it comes to gc that makes it a a significant change in the sense that we don't necessarily see major placings change but I'd argue it's a shift in narrative when it comes to GC, right? Should we go over them one by one? I will. So Remco is 149 now ahead of Roglic. Roglic is now, as of recording, the favorite for the Vuelta in the markets. <laughs> He's 149 behind. So um, a big change. Mars is on 243. He lost further time to second place today. Rodriguez fourth on 346. Ayuso gave back the seconds he took on that little punch on Peñas Blancas, was it? He's on 453, a minute and seven behind Rodriguez. Lopez moves up. Man, where did he? Where did Lopez lose six minutes in this race? I feel like he's been in the top four guys every finish, maybe pick Ohana. He's on 602, Almeida 649, Kelderman drops down to 656, Gagenhardt 850, 850, O'Connor 912, and still so many guys between 850 and 1150. It's it's from 8th, no, 9th until 14th, so... Still top 10 and points all to play for, for like Valverde um, and Kobe. Yeah, big change, man. Do you surprise Remco is no longer the favorite? Ooh, it's difficult, you know, because when it comes to Remco Evenepoel, 
with people seeing cracks, they expect the same scenario that we saw in a Carpena where he suddenly goes collapsing completely now, Swiss where he collapses completely and the narrative continues for week three, for example. So I think that's what hitting him on the betting markets. I also see on social media, I think Thais Sonneveld pointed it out, of a clip that La Vuelta posted where the first step that Emko Evenepoel took off his bike, he kind of like walks oddly and his, his right hip is like packed in. So who knows, it might also be a consequence of the crash we had yesterday on this stage. We don't know that. But hey, we'll hear their reasonings, I think, in this evening in Belgian media, most likely. I'll try and keep track of the Belgian media as your, uh, your internal detective. But uh, outside of that, I think it's, uh, it's good for the race that we've got a GC fight. And that's a good aspect to it, I think. Tomorrow is a huge day in GC, the biggest remaining day. It is the Sierra Nevada stage, all or nothing for Roglic, I think, 152.6Ks. Um, and yeah, it's harder than the stage today by far, which had quite severe you know, gaps for how hard it was. So we have flat for 30 kilometers, then 6Ks, 5%. Probably the breakaway will go there, then flat again, then Alto del Perch which is 9K, 7.5%, but that is fake news. In fact, it is seven kilo- about 6 kilometers, the prop climb proper at about 9.5% with very Ooh. steep kilometers, uh, then a descent, then 6K is 5%, then Sierra Nevada via Hazalanas, which is 4.6 kilometers at the start at 11%, and the first 7.3 are at 9.6%. Sierra Nevada overall is 20K, it says here at 8%, but I... Uh, that might be correct. There, there's something funny with this Sierra Nevada climb because if you don't know, the Vuelta wanted to have it finish higher and then there was complaints. I read in um, a Grenade, I don't know if it's, is it Grenadin? Um, local newspaper, <laughs> I read about the conservation concerns with going up high. There's some goat track to the observatory. So, And then there's like a uh, date on which the Vuelta cannot change any stage. And I don't know. I don't know where this finishes. Um, at 2,500 <laughs> meters, supposedly. From Hazalanas, it is consistent uh, at like 6.5%. So it is much less steep. But 6.5% to 2,500 meters in the heat is still hard enough for severe gaps. So, yeah, it's it's a long, old, hard climb. And it's the biggest test for Avonapol yet. Do you think that the steepest part being at the initial part of the climb on the Hazanaya section, does that mean that Roglic, who dropped Remco on the steep section today of the Sierra La Pondera, needs to go early on this climb? Or do you think that it was more a matter of the attrition of the climb than the steepness of the climb? For example, what if Yumbo says tomorrow when they see the parkour, we're going to start pacing already on the Alto del Purque or whatever you pronounce that shit? Like... I don't know. Is that going to have a, a positive influence on perhaps Quick Step and then Emco being weaker on the on the final climb, or would you not advise that to anyone? Um, it depends. It's supposed to be hot. Um, I, I don't think Remco's good in the heat. I think he okay. I think he has real trouble in it. I think Quick Step have trouble in it, and yeah, I think if it's hot again tomorrow, particularly. Um, it'll be hotter down in the valley, like Granada is 9Ks from the base of Alto del Perche. It'll be hot as hell there. I know Granada's a little bit elevated at 660, but and per, it goes up to 1500 there, but it'll be hotter down there than at 2500. And 
my view is, which I'm not a scientist, but my view is that heat and difficulty of racing prior to the base of a climb is more impactful than heat on the climb itself. If you walk up to the base of a climb, they do 11 kilojoules per kilo uh, per hour. Then you can go back to the car, you can get water, you can do whatever. It's easy racing. Her feet is nine. Uh, the other day before Blancas, I think, was 11. So even though it's hot on the climb, no one's cooked yet. So the difference is if you're doing 13, 14 kilojoules per kilo per hour um, before a hard climb, guys can't feed properly, can't drink properly, they're getting cooked, and then they're fucked on the climb. So... Yes, my answer is I think Roglic should attack on <laughs> Hazelanis. I think Lopez should go with him. I think there is such a big gap between Roglic and Lopez that uh, they should 100% work together. I think having a companion on the shallower section is extremely important. I think they can kill Mars tomorrow um, to altitude. And I think, yeah, Roglic and Lopez, Roglic goes for the win both for GC. Lopez goes for podium and stage um, pretty alliance that makes a lot of sense to me that is true but the question there is like is astana then the team that might be interested in controlling the stage knowing that lopez is looking like a potential favorite on this finish knowing it's high altitude and so forth they have to i think they need to as well i'd love to see that because i want this sierra nevada climb to be fought by the gc riders and not necessarily go to the breakaway so Please, Astana, do that for us. If so, Miguel Angel Lopez wins the stage. We know that. We can write it down in our black book. It is happening tomorrow. And I kind of agree with your assessment. I think today Remco dropping is a really bad sign for Sierra Nevada, despite uh, this deeper section being the first part of the Sierra Nevada. I think it's not looking amazing. He didn't collapse completely on today's stage, which is also a good thing. Was it depending on Roglic not being able to sustain the same as just after his attack? Potentially. But I guess we'll all figure it out tomorrow on Sierra Nevada what happens properly to those riders. One final thing, Rodriguez drops everybody else that needs to be fought for the podium and he uh, secures that third spot in GC. So, Enric Mas, I'm afraid today I'm low-key biased when it comes to Rodriguez, but I'm going uh, to say that Rodriguez drops him tomorrow on Sierra Nevada. And I also kind of... You, you sold me with the idea, man. Like, it's all because of you. Is it on 2021? He did it to a Norwegian. And one plus one is two. So as a consequence of that basic maths, we've got Godriguez dropping maths. Yeah, I think tomorrow's a big, big uh, problem day for Enric Maas and Movistar. Uh, I think, yeah, I'm starting to have a pretty strong team. Luchenko, Batistella, Pronsky, uh Nibali is i believe he's still in this race haven't really seen him um he, he attacked Cruz. today off camera okay Nibali. okay he attacked really I, well yeah he better chase the break tomorrow or pay his perch for the lopez <laughs> Dela cruz is very 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 strong um he's like top 12 gc strong at the moment finishing in top 10 guys almost in these mountaintop finishes so they need to go all in for Lopez tomorrow. They've had a terrible year and they can finish it on a high. And as I said, like Roglic, I think the it's pretty obvious the issues with Avonapol. Even if he is injured, that aside, I still think he's not great. And irregular pacing by attacking him on the steeper section at the base, you know, during a long climb, it's um, potentially a weakness for him. Who knows? Um, Ineos Benji, you like Rodriguez. Yep, he should be good. 
I'm going with Lopez for the stage win and Remco to be dropped and but to hang on to the leader's jersey. Okay, I think that Lopez wins the stage and we will have Do I go with Roglic leader's jersey? I will. Why not? Why not? Let's change the well, Remco change, drops change on Hazelanas. And then we <laughs> Yeah, if he drops true. on Hazelanus, he's gonna he should lose it. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Um it's a big stage. So hopefully you will tune in to watch the Nirvana Queen stage. And yeah, I I don't really know. I feel like EF Benji I don't know what they're doing really. Uh <laughs> they struggled to get in the break today. Um same with Movistar but and Cope. Yeah. Is it too early? Is it too early to go in the breakaway and enter that top 10? Because we see with Kelderman, he went into the top 10 going in the breakaway earlier this second week. And now he's almost dropping out of the top 10 again. Is it necessary to wait until week three to do that maneuver on also stage that will likely go to the breakaway? Because that might benefit that more or am I just saying bullshit? No, because then you've lost like twenty minutes and you can't take it back back in one go. <laughs> so you need you need two broke two breaks to give you seven minutes, because um, one won't give you fourteen. So yeah. I think Uran needed to get in the break this week, um, and I think he might have missed his chance. But maybe no one paces. Maybe Quickstep certainly won't. Um, hopefully, Avi Paul crashing won't have you know ended his chance at, at the Vuelta. We will certainly see if he is injured. The narrative will be that he can't do a three-week race, even though he is injured. So can't wait for that um, in the Belgian press. <laughs> and yeah, big day tomorrow. Roglic looking good. So we'll see the fireworks then. Thanks to Zwift as always, and we'll see you with a recap tomorrow. Ciao.